we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 155 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. We'll get to her in just a second. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. And Melissa from Cutting Through the Matrix. How are you today? I am well. Thank you, Johnny. It's great to have you back with us. And I noticed you were laughing at me when I was telling you that we're 155 weeks into 14 days <laughs> to flatten the curve. Are you you making a joke out of us still trying to flatten this curve or or what? No, no, I think we have to continue. We have to do everything we possibly can. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to get all those anti-vaxxers you know, on board. <laughs> this is a true story. I was out uh, grocery shopping the other day and I pulled into the parking lot and I saw a woman get out of her car wearing a mask and she stood up, opened up her purse took out another mask and put it on over the first mask. Oh, she was doubling <laughs> like, up. Yeah, yeah, she was trying that's hard. That's it, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. Uh, trying hard to flatten the curve. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. I was telling Bruce and I told uh, Marty and some of the other guys last week, I said, this guy at uh, you know the gym that I go to two weeks ago, I'm walking through the locker room and at the end of the locker room, they have like the showers and, and everything. And then there's a stairway to go up to the uh, like the uh, the saunas and stuff. And as I'm walking through, I, I was going after I finished my workout, I was going to go up to the sauna, you know, to kind of work out, you know, put a little heat into my uh, uh, my shoulder because it was a little stiff. And as I'm walking through, you have to walk past the showers is my point. And I see this guy. I swear I'm not making this up. I see this guy walking into the showers with an N95 mask on his face. <laughs> And then yesterday, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen that. And then yesterday, I see a guy walking with one of those, you know, just like the blue paper ones on his face. Uh -huh. he, he's walking in there. He's got just a towel, his sandals, his shower gel, and he's walking in with a with a uh, you know with one of those those surgical masks on his face. Uh, it's like really, can, can uh, we not get past this by now? I mean, I'm seeing it here yep. too, though. I mean, really, uh, so, there? You know, my my kitchen's out. You know, I, I I don't have a kitchen right now, so I I order delivery every once in a while. The delivery guy yesterday came and he had a mask on. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, this is the town that pulled a gun on a council member for issuing a mask mandate. No, it was, it, really? it was a, a discussion. Yeah. It was a discussion about a mask mandate. Yeah. It wasn't even like yeah. it wasn't even for sure that that was going to happen. It was just, hey, uh, <laughs> here you're talking about putting one of those mask orders in. Be uh, in your best interest not to do that. And it was and resented. kind of lift their shirt a bit. And 
show they have a firearm and that's that was the end of it <laughs> sure okay um i haven't really thumbed through the news uh all too much today but uh seeing as how you're uh, you're with us and and you're going to be with us uh, a couple of times a month uh, and we're happy to have you uh what has been on your radar what would you like to talk about any anything it's open forum as as always uh what would you like to talk about and we'll just take our cue from you and we'll just roll into the events of the day well, I have, I unfortunately, apologetically, haven't been able to keep up with the news or current events for a couple, three days. So, you know, I was asking someone before I came on about an hour and a half ago, I said, has there been a major earthquake? Has a head of state been assassinated? Because I haven't been able to keep up. And unfortunately, the person that I asked said, uh, I just haven't been following the news for like a couple of weeks. He said, you know, I'm on a day count. As a matter of fact, I'm 12 days into no Twitter. And I said, OK, well, I'm out of luck here. But then he said something that just sparked my thinking a little bit. He said, look, we're at the point where everything and everybody out there is controlled. You, there, There is no more freedom of the press. Um, if it's being said, and then he went off to rattle a few new, you know, news anchors and talking heads. Because if if they're saying it, it's because they got their talking points. They they got their handout from an intelligence agency. And I thought, well, there you go. I don't that's feel true. so bad for not reading the news today. That no, that that's a that's a that's a very good point. You know, I I was. Um I was actually I've been on a rant the last few days uh, about this this agenda that's that's being pushed where you you now see both sides of it being fully controlled and and you know I I put myself outside of that I don't play in that that whole choose a side you know take part in the dialectic kind of thing because that's in my opinion those are constructs of what these people are using as the Marxist revolution to try and control people and I I don't want to take part in that that's just you know, that, that's just my take on it, because they need everybody to pick a side when in reality, as you say, they're controlling all parts of the agenda. And I'm hearing a, a lot of talk about um, and I, I really I swear today I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to rant and stop me if I start to rant. But I see so many people jumping on board with, well, because it's against this, rather that's on the right or the left. Again, I don't play in that. But because it's against this and it fits the way that we think, we have to jump on board with it. So, for example, if you're on the left, right, I'm just speaking in, in terms of somebody that's caught in this. If you're on mm -hmm. the left, then you have to denounce absolutely everything that everybody on the right does, you know, the Trump thing. And and you have to call everybody fascist and and whatever. Right. That's on the left. On the right. Well, if it goes against uh, the current administration or the, quote, stolen election or the COVID things or whatever, then by default, you have to be against it. And what, moreover, to my point, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is, is that uh, th this whole Nord Stream pipeline thing, everybody's caught up in this deal that was um, uh, th this stuff that's put out by this, quote, investigative journalist, you know, uh, Hirsch or whatever his name was. He puts out this Quite frankly, um, I mean, it's a it's a convincing story. I'll give it that, but it's circumstantial at best. Now, mm -hmm. I've I've gone back and I've I've done long talks, in, long segments in these podcasts explaining the backstory of these individuals and how they've been compromised over the course of almost fifty years. Some of them, Joe Biden included, and who he's compromised mm -hmm. by, and why, and how he ended up where he is. And it's like people. They're so quick to latch on to a narrative simply because 
It's the part of something that they want to believe because it fits what their belief structure already is. Nobody wants to analyze anymore. Nobody wants to, to take the time and sit down and look back and, and give historical context into how you ended up there in the first place and where you can go as a result of that. Nobody wants to do that. We've talked about this before. We've talked about what's controlled opposition and what's not with you before. I see so many people on the, quote, alternative media, you know, the alt-right or, or whatever it is mm -hmm. they call it, the, the so-called, you know, like the, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call them out by name, but people know who they are, right? The big name alternative people. And I hear so many of them jumping on board with the, well, Russia must be doing the, you know, playing the good guy. Putin must be playing the good guy. And it's like, wait a minute, you, you don't understand. They're playing both sides of the agenda. They've got all of these people and all these talking heads wrapped up in all the same agenda. I'm still trying to find the group of, of mainline people on the alternative side, whether that's right or left. I want somebody that's outside of that structure. I want somebody denouncing both sides, saying, um, I'm not playing your game anymore because I'm not playing that game. You know, I, I like to, to do deep dives and, you know, research into the things that I talk about before I talk on them. And I like to be as well read as I can. And it's like all of a sudden, uh, I, I mean, I was listening to, uh, to a podcast last night for the first five minutes of the podcast. I, I turned it off. I had to switch it off because I just couldn't hear any more of it. Everything was, well, Biden blew up the pipeline and uh, Putin's doing the right thing. And, and, and Zelensky is the, the, the bad guy. And it's just like it's all being orchestrated exactly the same way on both sides. And I, I can't stand it. I really can't stand it. And I'm just I, I'm done with it. And I, I just, like I said, I had to switch it off. I can't hear it anymore. And I'm, I'm horrified by what I hear. Because all of a sudden, we're now, because we're so against the, you know, the, the whole Washington, D.C. and everybody's corrupt, now all of a sudden we have to endorse classic totalitarianism. That's my concern. Well, it's an ancient technique, the dialectic, and it's perfected how they do it. Um, you made me think just then uh, of a television show, an episode of a show that was done for the BBC back in maybe 1960s. Eight, called The Newsbenders, and it was just a little half-hour segment. I don't know if either one of you have ever seen it, but um, Donald Pleasance, who's an excellent old actor, plays the head of this kind of mysterious agency, and a young guy comes in, and he just he shows him the news. And what the guy realizes who's being shown the news is that he is has been brought into the halls of where the news is created two, three, four, five years in advance of when it's actually televised. Now, this is a piece of fiction, but the thing that has always interested me for 20 years of watching it is why, when you look at a stack of papers or anything online. Um, so you've got 10 from the right and 10 from the left and three or four from the so-called independent. And they're all talking about the same thing because you see today we're all supposed to be talking about a derailment in Ohio or the latest one in Florida. And tomorrow we're supposed to be talking about whatever this is. And, you know, two weeks ago, we were all to be talking about uh, an earthquake. Uh, but we're not supposed to be thinking outside a box. That's forbidden. And therefore, this very real seeming world of the news is presented to us to keep us kind of caught or trapped, as it were, 
in there thinking that it's all real. And news, because of the very nature of the word news, having new embedded in it, seems like that thing that we must urgently keep up with. But if you ever just take a beat and step back, you go, ooh, hey, that's kind of interesting that this new story plays into the agenda, a rather old agenda, so beautifully. It's it's really kind of amazing. And I've seen this. I mean... I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I have seen... Oh, come on. I love a good conspiracy theory. I love a good conspiracy. I don't believe in them, but I I love a good conspiracy theory. This is purely personal observation. This isn't one of those things where they show, did you know that they showed the towers going down in an episode of The Simpsons? Or No, this is my personal observation. No, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. I I heard it on WWE Wrestling back in 1989. (laughs) Well, I bet you did. In fact, I think we all saw uh, that, you know, in this movie, the hotel room was 9-11. And in this movie, he got in the elevator elevator on the ninth floor and he got off on the 11th floor. And I mean, it's just endless this, yeah. uh, the way they tease us. But what what I saw were some kind of interesting things, because you know that if you have a, a fictional piece of programming, a movie, whatever it is, that these things take time to be made. They have to be written. That process can be forever. And then they're going to be produced. And then they're going to go into post-production. And then we're going to see it. And isn't it kind of ironic when you're watching a piece of fiction and it is mirroring what is happening right now? So, I, I mean... I promise you that I did not take a hallucinogenic this morning, but what what we have when we look at reality from just slightly outside the box is that the our sense of time is being played with. And you know, that's why it's good to meditate and breathe and take a walk because news plays with our sense of time. It really feels urgent. You can't look away. Alan Watt used to say it's it's presented to you to work on you like a horror movie. You cannot stop watching because eventually some of these people from January 6th who have been in solitary confinement for two years are going to be released and dealt with properly, right? Well, no, they're not. But, you know, so, but you can't look away because you think just my watching, just my squawking about it is somehow going to affect the outcome. And the outcome was decided many, many years ago. I've actually heard that uh, on you know from more than one person. All of these things were decided long before you were even born, um, mm-hmm. and we were we were discussing. Uh, well, actually, no, you were here that day. We played that clip of uh, Herman Kahn from the Huston Institute, and they were yes, talking about how they were. Yeah, they were talking about how they were going to do exactly what they're doing now. What Klaus Schwab, which by the way, Herman Kahn was one of his mentors. Um, <laughs> what they were, yeah, they they wanted to do that back then. That's when it was planned, and that was that was over twenty years before I was born. And so th- this whole situation that we're dealing with now has been a, a culmination that's been in the works for. I would argue more than a half a century, well over a half century. But they knew that technology was eventually going to get to this point, and they had already worked up what they were going to do with it. They were not going to let the technology of today get in the hands of people 30 years ago. Smartphones, the touchscreen technology in a smartphone, that was actually developed and ready for consumer use, commercial use, I guess, in the 1980s, the early 1980s, when I, about when mm-hmm. I was born. 
And we mm -hmm. didn't see it until around the turn of the century. That's about the time we That's saw right. it. CD-ROMs, uh, CDs, compact discs, those were patented mm -hmm. as data storage devices and they were being used in the 50s, in the 50s. Right. But we didn't see them until the 90s. And even then, it yeah. was very, very expensive when they finally came out. So yeah. these things, yeah, you're 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 100% on point when you say that these things are planned long before in, in advance. And I've actually heard that there's a term that the uh, the elitist type uh, people actually use, you know, the George Soros types and the Herman Kahn's and the Henry Kissinger's that and the Klaus Schwab's, they actually call these, quote, disruptive technologies, meaning they will mm -hmm. disrupt uh, their agenda of things if the public gets a hold of this and entrepreneurs start running with it. So mm -hmm. it will hinder them. So they call them disruptive technologies, even though they would advance uh, civilization in a positive direction, uh, as opposed to the way that they that they use them. Yeah. Well, you're going to need a few gunslingers to ride into town for us to get a hold of these technologies. But you just made me think of something, too, when you were talking about that. You know how in the movies for the past, oh, 20 years, they've been doing this thing where people are playing with computers that just they don't you don't see them, but the screen is somehow in the air and they move things with their fingers, that whole kind of, you know, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible kind of thing. Well, that's augmented reality. And now augmented reality is here, but we've been being prepped for it for a good two decades, if not longer. It's just always the way it is. It's um, they release these, as you call them, disruptive technologies when the control over them is so tight and their new technologies are about ready to roll out for them. Uh, you know, so we can play with these things all we want and think we're cutting edge in our, you know, uh, iPhone version number 28 is the latest of, you know, the late. There you go. There's a little That's bit of augmented is. reality. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. He's got the, uh, he's, yeah. this is, uh, I don't know what the name of the movie is, but uh, it's the movie where Keanu Reeves has like the, uh, the augmented reality thing on his head and he's got mm -hmm. basically everything around him. And you know, we we've looked at that before. We we've looked at uh, Microsoft. They uh, they had something similar to this. It was called Hololens. I think they pulled the plug mm -hmm. on that though, didn't they, Bruce? The augmented reality project that they had. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, though they're working on other projects with it. That that was one that they were originally. It didn't take off. So they they've got other. Um, I, I don't remember what the next one they're doing is called. But you have other companies that are doing the same thing, uh, creating. Uh, some kind of product. There's a Apple is supposed to release one in the coming months, uh, a, a new VR, AR kind of thing. Uh, it's supposed to be basically like your glasses or a pair of sunglasses. It'll be thicker rimmed glasses that'll have all the components in there that you need to to create an augmented reality uh, in, in, in your glasses. And you'll, they're hoping that within the next couple of years, that will be wearable, wearable and affordable, but um, to the average person. It was almost 10 years ago now. I remember that I was keeping an eye on uh, on Samsung. You know, the they're big for their smartphones and their televisions and, you know, home appliances and stuff like that. I remember seeing a patent that they put through about a decade ago, and it was for contact lenses. And I thought, what in the world are they doing with contact lenses? That that ought to be interesting. Do you know the heads-up technology in a car? You know, the heads-up display you have in a car? You know, the, the one that comes up on the windshield and then it shows, or windscreen for those that are outside the U.S., uh, and it shows your speed, uh, your tachometer, the revs and everything. It, it, it shows mm -hmm. that up in front of you. That's a form of, of augmented reality. So it's projected up, so it's part of your driving, so you don't have to look down. 
they patented Samsung. They patented that technology in contact lenses about 10 years ago. And really? yeah, and we're now starting to see the first uh, supposed prototypes of that. And so imagine, I mean, I wear contact lenses. I mean, obviously I wear, I wear glasses, but uh, I wear contact lenses most of the time because glasses just get in the way. I, I know you guys wear glasses, so it's you know how much they get in the way sometimes. Just imagine you're just walking around and then all of a sudden it pops up into your eye. Only you can see it, obviously. And it's, you know, you have a message from this person or this person's calling you or whatever. And imagine just using your eyes at some point with the motion technology you've talked about, uh, the motion recognition technology you've talked about, Bruce, where you just look a certain way and you can accept or deny the call, or you can take a you know pre, pre-scripted response to a text message or something. You know how annoying it's going to be uh, trying to walk around like window shopping or something like that and all the advertisements you're going to get in, the, in those kind of lenses and stuff? It's going to be, no, nah, I'm not interested personally. Yeah, well, the poor person who tries to adapt to that and then gets some kind of a neurological disorder, a little head shaking thing. <laughs> it doesn't seem like I would want to, you know, be be a part of that. I mean, I, I suppose I I appreciate the concept of it. If that's what somebody wants to do, fine. But that doesn't seem like it's it's for me. On to Ukraine, Bruce. You got something about Ukraine? They've uh, they've hit some targets inside Russia. Yes, supposedly. Yeah, they they hit a few targets in Russia, and this is. One of the locations was, um, I'm probably skewing the name on this, uh, but it's, you know, Russian, uh, Krasnodar region. Uh, so I thought some of the other places they hit were just south of Moscow. So I thought, okay, it's going to be in like, you know, kind of that direction. No, uh, Krasnodar is southeast of Mariupol. That's on the southeast side of uh, Ukraine, for those that don't know. It was an oil refinery they hit there. And they hit some other locations and whatnot using uh, drone swarms. And uh, this is a bit concerning because um, both sides are not good actors. Both sides are the bad guy. Um, however, the more you push Russia, um, Russia's a nuclear power. And if if Putin thinks he's the end is nigh for him, uh, it's very possible that, um, well, you, you know, the analogy that a, a cornered rat uh, will go on to the offensive. Um, and in this case, even if it's a, even if it's a predator that's cornered him, they'll, they'll still go on the offensive because it's a last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm concerned with, with Putin is he seems crazy enough that, uh, if he thinks the end is nigh for him, he's going to hit, he's going to punch a big red button, uh, as it were, and nuke some targets. Um, us would be one of those targets in, in my opinion, because, uh, we're the biggest purveyor of arms to, uh, Ukraine. So Mm -hmm. of course he would hit us. Or for that matter, it doesn't even have to be nukes. Something that could be just as bad is um, hack our power grid, hack it and shut it down and cause um, all kinds of actual physical damage to our our, um, electrical grid. You can take out, um, according to the experts, all you have to do is take out 10 10 specific um, substations or or, uh, uh, transformer stations, whatever you want to call it. Um, you take ta- take out 10 of those and it causes a cascading effect. It'll shut one down. It'll cause the next one to shut down. It'll cause the next one to shut down. And you can shut down the entire U.S. doing this. If you listening. shut that down, it's going to take it's going to take like two years to to rebuild the power network. And in that two years, you're going to have countless people that are going to die because uh, medications that have to be refrigerated. You can't do that. Uh, any kind of medical like uh, if you need some kind of um uh, medical treatment that requires, um, you know, 
electricity to run if you're on like people on life support they're they're gone it it pretty much destroys everything and and then the big cities you rely on the food that's in the refrigerator the city itself only has enough food for like three days tops um you're not gonna it's gonna be chaos and in that chaos a lot of people are gonna die from it it's just like a nuke a nuke the 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 actual explosion and the fallout is not the main problem. The main problem is the damage that it causes to the infrastructure. Afterward, 90% of the people die from starvation or lack of water. Well, I think what we're going to be looking at is a series of a series of events, one after another, year after year, until we're brought down where we need to be. Um, Henry Kissinger was interviewed early on in the the scamdemic, and he was talking about the effects, the aftermath of this in terms of economies and supply chains and so forth. And he said, um, there will be no recovery for generations. So this is many, many years, you know, not in our lifetime. And if you have another, and, and what was interesting to witness with the whole COVID scenario is that we had many of the same situations that you're talking about, not necessarily power grids, but um, we could not buy yeast in Canada. Um, There were many things there. There were weeks that eggs could not be found anywhere in the the nearby town. Um, Food was rationed. Visits to the grocery store were timed and rationed. And, um, I still, to the, you know, three years later, hear people talking about supply chain issues that will be ongoing in their industry, whatever their industry is, for years to come. And um, it, when I was on with you, was it a co- couple of weeks ago that we were talking about the investors who were talking about the CBDCs and how this was just going to roll out? They presented a hypothetical scenario where there would be a, a financial meltdown of some sort. And at that time, cash would simply be removed from the board, that that it would be no more. And we'd go on to this central system. And so, you know, yeah, what is what is going on in with Ukraine and Russia is very troubling because it's what is going on in the United States, our own culpability. Those of us who don't want to think about it, don't want to talk about it, just want to play ourselves while our governments are supply, I, I was just writing something this weekend, and I, I've stayed so far away from Ukraine and Russia because um, it's about war and girls don't like war. You know? <laughs> but no, well, seriously, I, I was. <laughs> They're about to because Joe Biden, Bruce and I were talking about this last night privately. Joe Biden, and, well, I can't say him because he doesn't know what planet he's on other than what flavor of ice cream he likes. But <laughs> his administration rescinded. Uh, women being excluded from the national draft. Mm. So, well, that yeah. that is not surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, continue. Well, I'm sorry. Well, I was I was researching something that I wanted to write about mercenaries and about um, the also the end. This was something that Alan Watt was talking about. I put up a, a piece, a two hour talk of his from 2008, and I heavily edited it to the point that I I cut an hour fifty down to fifty minutes. But I really just wanted a highlight reel. And um, his through line for an hour and 50 minutes, he talked about amazing things, vaccines and greening and sustainability and depopulation. But the through line was soldiers, mercenaries and the culpability of the individual in state policy as it is played out, because it's 
It's the little Yahoo that goes over to another country and said, hey, we're bringing democracy to you. We're bringing freedom, you know, you, uh, bad language, bad language, um, as we bring our degraded culture over there where they don't want it. And in researching this, I went on to the U.S. Department of State and saw their little one-page list. First of all, it said, uh, I don't know, yeah, what is it, like $32 billion that we've sent them in the last little while. I don't have that number in front of me. But it gave you a listing of all of the weaponry that we have sent to Ukraine in the last little while. I mean, mind-boggling numbers of surface-to-air missiles and ammunition rounds and tanks and it's just staggering. It's staggering. So, yeah, I mean, if if Putin lost his mind and pushed the button and the U.S. was the target, when you see what our ruling elite have done in the name of this crazy agenda that they have to keep at, keep at, keep at. And I was asking you in prep, I said, why is it that I always have to look at Sean Penn? Of all people that they have to <laughs> wheel out there to promote this agenda, it's Sean Penn. And I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry in, in advance to the listeners, but I yeah. have to play this clip of Sean Penn oh, please. stirring please. the pot with his Betty Crocker spoon. Listen to this. The thing I'd, I'd like to say is, you know, having just, just returned from Ukraine uh, uh, about uh, 10 days ago or so is that the the impact of President Biden's trip was extraordinary. I mean, that's uh, that that's extremely encouraging. Um, I think that when it, that one of the, the things that's concerned me and I, I you know, I, I think that there's no question but that they need more ammunition, more uh, <laughs> long range precision weapons oh, and God. yes, fighter jets. Um, oh, well, <laughs> uh, this and the, and the issue really is that um you know, right now they're dying. Every day they're dying. So what what we're waiting for seems to still be attached to this, I would argue, overcautious concern uh, related to uh, nuclear weapons. Because I, it, for one thing, if we're going to uh, live in a world where uh, a bully with nuclear weapons um, runs the show, uh, you know, there are there was a. Uh, a, a, f a former um, intelligence officer I'd spoken to in Ukraine at one point. He said, "You know, he doesn't live in that. Want to live in that world? And Ukraine won't." And so I just think we have to make a clear decision to start um, saving lives, saving infrastructure, and what that means is supplying the Ukrainians. They have no interest in having Americans or others in the fight. They're ready to take the fight themselves, and their their ability to transition on these platforms, be it the F-16s or or when it comes to the uh, Patriot, uh, is is not. I don't think there's been an honest conversation about how how quickly they can transition. I think it's oh, there's a lot in the air about how long it takes, how maintenance, fueling, all of that. But there are a lot of uh, many ways in which that can be, um, uh, you know, uh, sped up tremendously. Okay, lot to unpack there, but. Um Oh, I, I just want to know, did you like how he's sending all of the, by the way, core, that's his, you saw all those people wearing shirts that said core, that's his, mm -hmm. his charity. Uh, that's his own personal charity. I want to know where is all of that humanitarian aid to the poor people of my state? That's what I want to know. You've got this, this rail company, Norfolk Southern, who their biggest investors are Vanguard, BlackRock, JP Morgan, and Wells Fargo. And you got Zelensky saying, 
uh, I'm inviting BlackRock, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Vanguard to invest in Ukrainian infrastructure. The same people that are investing in that war effort are the same people that just destroyed a part of the Midwest. Where's the where's mm-hmm. the aid for our people? We're supposed to send fighter jets and long range missiles to this. Yeah. It's a I mean, continuation it was, it, of the narrative. Sorry, um, as you were saying earlier, Melissa, the 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 whole uh, pre predestined uh, narrative that they have. I mean, that's kind of what this is. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it it, it gives people something to. Uh, as Johnny pointed out, we're not sending aid to Ohio. Um, it seems like that's manufactured. Like they want that kind of um, uh, focused ire, if you will, so that you're paying attention to that, not paying attention to other things. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting thing to see because up on the screen while Sean Penn was speaking poorly, um, it the, ancient, yes. <laughs> the ancient, yes, the ancient, yes, I know, I, I I felt it. That was award winning, but um, the ancient news anchor Wolf Blitzer from CNN was sitting there nodding his head with all serious gravity, and this is just a technique. I mean, they give you these anchors that. They never died. I mean, that's where the life extension program is going is na- news anchors that are around for 50, 60 how is, years. How is he still up there? Wolf Blitzer. He's been up there yeah. since before I was even born. <laughs> he's still up yeah. there. I think his, he, he ha- hasn't aged that much either. I think he's got his portrait in the attic. He's got it's something a little bit of Dorian on. Gray. I don't know what he's yeah. he, he's taking something. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's consulting yeah. George Soros on how to stay alive. I don't know. Well, I was I was actually recommending a movie to you both before we started recording and that was um wag the dog i i I should look up and tell you when that was made but wag the dog you have this scenario where a the sitting president of the u.s has been caught out and starting to leak that he's having an extramarital affair or something like that there's a scandal and so a team of hollywood producers is brought in to basically produce a fictional war. And as they produce, in other words, footage is shot, actors are hired, um, uh, news stories are placed, you know, you everybody's getting the PR hand up that tells you how the war in, you know, some sad, sad Eastern European country is playing out. And it was it was complete with the music that, the public would be given to rally the support. And see, that is where Sean Penn, I mean, it. this is a scene, what you just showed me is right out of Wag the Dog. He's an actor and, you know, I, I like the movies. I like to be entertained as, uh, you know, as much as any other prole. But the function of that is to distract us, is to program us and to distract us. And so we're not paying attention to what really matters. And, you know, there are good actors and there are hack actors, just like with anything else. But an actor could be defined as a prostitute because they're paid very, very well and they know who their John is. And that is government X, Y, or Z. And that's what they're doing. And that's who Sean Penn is. I mean, when I listen to him talk, I think I'm listening to someone with a very low IQ. Someone who might not, if he wasn't stinking rich, be able to actually organize paying a bill or backing his car out of the driveway or, you know, frying an egg. Not to, you know, sound condescending or anything, but I've (laughs) 
I've actually heard I didn't that. mind. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually I've heard that about him from people that actually know him personally. They say <laughs> he's not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. He's, he doesn't have a very high <laughs> IQ. But as far as being an, an entertainer and an actor, he can do that. Uh, yeah. But he yeah. and and to and to the to another point. When you see him out there promoting humanitarian stuff, not maybe not necessarily what we just saw, but when you see him out there doing like his whole humanitarian project stuff, he genuinely believes in all that stuff. You know, he, oh, he genuinely I, see, buys yeah, into all that. I saw him after Hurricane Katrina down yeah. there rowing his yep. little boat in the yep. flood. Rowing I mean, I boat. saw yep. that. Yep. Yeah. And um, but th so this is the thing. Yeah, I'm I'm not knocking the profession, the the oldest profession after you know what, of, of being an actor, I'm not. But what I'm saying is those skills are highly honed. You know, Alan used to say these people don't know who they are. So it's very easy for somebody to come in because they don't know who they are. There's like some kind of an empty place in them. They go from role to role, um, the, you know, so that this kind of place that is in all of us that needs to be filled with something. When somebody comes down from the UN or the UNICEF or whatever and says to Mr. Penn, we need you to start this charity because... It's a really great idea, and we're helping a segment of the population that doesn't have a voice. They don't have a, someone to stand up for them, and you have voiced your concerns about this in the past. And then Mr. Pence says, well, that's a really good idea. I like, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. And he does it with gusto. And what better performance from an actor than someone who genuinely believes that they are who they say they are? Uh, to the... Uh, something's kind of been ringing uh, a little bit of something that you brought up uh, earlier because it fits into this, the, the, the whole narrative and everything. One of the things I, I think they're actually trying to hide is uh, the vaccine stuff. And I, and I don't mean to bring up the, the COVID and the COVID vax and everything, but it, 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 it something you mentioned that Henry, uh, Henry Kissinger said, kind of saying that it'd take generations to recover after this. The, the, that's already happened. We, we've already seen this uh, gene juice been given mm -hmm. and the damage that's been done is going to take generations to recover because mm -hmm. we don't know the full extent of what this is going to do to people. Um, we're already seeing people, you know, died suddenly. We're seeing a lot of more increases in things like there's birth defects or uh, just the, the the child is dead at birth, you know, stillbirths or mm -hmm. or uh, miscarriages that that has been on the rise. Um, the the fact that uh, soft tissue cancers are on the rise. There's a lot of things that are unknown here, and we're we're constantly uh, Ohio or uh, Florida, as you mentioned, or uh, Ukraine or whatever the next story is. It's all evading this one story that legitimately is a um, if they continue with this gene juice and they keep give, giving us different jabs over and over again, this is legitimately something that could be uh, basically human ending. This could be the end mm -hmm. of our, our species uh, yeah. because of this. Um, and yeah. let's say they perfect it. Let's say they get it right and it doesn't cause all those problems. Now you run into the issue of they can turn you into anything they want because they have the keys to your genetic makeup. And if they want you to be a good little bricklayer, 
that loves only laying bricks and never asks any questions, but all you do is lay bricks, they can do it. Yeah. That's that's the main thing that I think that this is covering is is this genetic alteration that they're doing and, and, and playing with. It, oh, it can make themselves invulnerable and, and, you know, immortal. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is, if if there's an end game to call out, that is it. They they are the separate species who goes on into eternity, and most of us die out while the perfected little slave is created through genetic manipulation and brain chip, whatever. You know, if if you don't mind, there was just something about my research into mercenaries that popped in my head that I thought was no, just please. an interesting little find. Please go ahead. Um. Because I was thinking about personal responsibility, and I'll come back around to COVID with it if oh, I can remember. Hold on, but... hold on. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I will, How I promise you. you. How dare you talk about <laughs> personal responsibility on this podcast? How dare you talk about people <laughs> taking the responsibility upon themselves to do something? How dare I you? I know. I know. Well, because the, the word independence makes me think about the blood of patriots or, you know, People who take personal responsibility, they have to step up and do something. But I was researching mercenaries and I was wondering what mercenary you see, because right now, supposedly all the U.S. is doing right is arming the Ukraine. And Sean Penn is saying that we need to arm the Ukraine more heavily. But what we're not hearing about is boots on the ground from the U.S. So I'm thinking, well, what mercenary groups are over there? So I dig and I dig and I dig. And I found I found the interesting group that we're being told is running in uh, Russia, which is the Wag- Wagner group or Wagner, if you like opera. Yeah. So we've got the Wagner group. And yeah. And and they they're they are uh, private military contractors. They work all over the world. They're a Russian based unit. And then There was some news that was in the uh, different media last year about what papers such as the New York Times, et cetera, called the West's answer to the Wagner group is the Mozart group. So I'm like, okay, uh, uh, let's let's research this. Now, the Mozart group is a these are just a group of gung ho ex Navy SEALs, different special units of U.S. forces, they're retired and they just feel real bad for what's going on in the Ukraine. So they're organizing and they're crowdfunding so they can go over there. Now, they disbanded in January. But as I was researching this, I found this piece. I think it was a New York Times article that was talking about the shadowy group known as the Mozart Group. And it said that besides their crowdfunding, they were Um, funded by a group of, and this is how the Times put it across, a group of East Coast Jewish Ukrainian American businessmen, whatever, investors, and an unnamed Texas tycoon. So I I thought, okay, that's really interesting. And I kept going, I kept going. Now, my journey led me to thinking about Blackwater that became Academy. And from Academy, it was bought over by something called the Constellus Group. And the Constellus Group is a risk management firm. But within that group, they have got their private military military, um, contractor wing called, I don't know, doesn't matter, whatever they are. But um, Constellus Group stuck in my head. So I'm like, okay, well, how much money do they have? Well, guess what? Their average income and their expenditures and all of that, it's unknown, it said. I'm like, yeah, well, it's unknown to you and me. But um, so there you go. So I keep looking for Constellus, Constellus, Constellus. And what do I find? 
I find the obituary of a man who passed away last week by the name of Red McCombs. Red McCombs uh, was lovingly portrayed in all of the obituaries I read as um, a Texas businessman who had owned a bunch of sports franchises. I, I don't know sports, but I think it was like the San Antonio Spurs. I, that might be basketball. There was another San Antonio team. The Denver Nuggets, perhaps, um, you know, so he was he was owned sports franchises. He was also um, a co-owner of uh, Clear Channel is com Clear Channel Communications, right? That's a big that's media a radio group. syndicator. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, guess what his last business listed in the obit was the head of Constellus Group. Go figure. Uh-huh. Bruce Bruce. And Lyle. I'm like, well, I can I can tell you what, I'm not a journalist, but I I may be the only person <laughs> who has made this connection of a now deceased Texas tycoon who invested in the Mozart group. But the point that I was gonna bring it around to COVID is that when you're talking about mercenaries, when you're talking about um people who actually put jabs in the arms, you're talking about mercenaries. Nurses, doctors, whatever, hospital administrators. These are people who have to, by now, have an inkling that what they're doing is very, very bad. But they keep doing it because they're getting a paycheck. No, you're you're spot on. Um, that is an interesting connection that you made there, I have to say. Uh, it's funny because Bruce and I, and you don't know this, but Bruce and I were looking over the DOD's budget <laughs> last night. <laughs> and you know they've never passed an audit. Did you know that? The, the Department of Defense, no. never they have never passed an audit. And <laughs> shocking. They, yeah, shocking. They can only account for 39% of their overall expenditures and assets. Uh, and that's around, I, I want to say it's like close to $4 trillion. The rest of it gets funneled out the back door, I'm assuming, to Constellus Group <laughs> or projects <laughs> like that. I'm assuming that's where a lot of it goes to carry out uh -huh. clandestine operations overseas that are off the books that we don't put in front of Congress. I'm assuming that that's what that's done for, yeah. uh, or at least part of it, uh, nonetheless. But, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying about uh, these doctors and these nurses that are still entwined in all this stuff. And, you know, I'm still seeing uh, videos of like nurses and, and pharmacists and things coming out and saying, you should definitely go out and, and get a booster. Yeah. They're still saying this. And I'm like, do you not understand? Do, do you people not get that any doctor that or, or medical personnel that was found to be taking part in all of those horrible experiments during the, during the Holocaust, do you know that those doctors got tried too? So yes. when all this gets put out the pasture, shall we say, because look, I, I know that we're going to have to go through more of this because, you know, people just aren't getting the, you know, the full picture of this yet. But I was telling Bruce last week privately, I said, there's going to be a score to settle for this. At some point or another, we're going to settle this because this is not going to continue for very much longer, at least I don't think. Now, when I say very much longer, I'm not talking about tomorrow. I wish to God I were. I'm not talking about next week. I'm probably not even talking about next year. But in the terms of the way that my mind works, I think in decades, I don't think in months. It's going to get settled one way or another. But on a lighter side of this, I think you guys are glossing over this uh, this mRNA thing too much. Let's look at Evie Magazine. <laughs> they say that mRNA therapy is the new Botox. What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Think about what we can do with this. Huh? 
the new Botox. Yeah, check that out. Woman laying there on the table getting shot up with, with mRNA in her face. What do you think of that, Bruce? Yeah, the new Botox? Yeah, no, not not going to do that. I'm sure they probably say it's not going to uh, go anywhere else in the body and all of that stuff. Just like they said, it would never leave your arm in the beginning of, of the jab when well, it, it did within like an hour. They say getting preventative Botox is so passe. Why do you need to do that? Just take this mRNA vaccine for your face and you can <laughs> re you can reprogram your cells to turn back the clock. What do you think? Well, this, how much? Yeah, yeah that, that's that's how much. But this is going to this is how they're going to sell it to the average person. Mm -hmm. it, it'll be. Oh, you know, we can we can turn back the clock or we can fix diseases or problems or what have you. And at the same time, they do what um, Bill Gates has talked about doing with vaccines, pulling out people's aggressive uh, tendencies and and getting rid of that. And, and, and you know, uh, editing that out of your code, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And we need those aggressive tendencies, unfortunately. Um, well, I say unfortunately, but I'm I'm more and more over time. I'm becoming more fond of those aggressive tendencies because um, not because of the aggression and the violence that, that comes from it, but because of the aggression. That's also why you have people that are um, they have the drive and push to make new innovations, how they uh, push against narratives and everything and, and uh, create new things. You have to have that drive. Without that, you're just going to be a complacent little drone that's going to do exactly as they're told. Um, you're not going to have any fight in you. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a problem. Um, it's that, a survival yeah. mechanism. Exactly. And it, uh, it, it, when it's tempered correctly, um, it, it, it's very beneficial uh, to us as a, as a species. And I, I think they're, they're just going to they're just going to convince people, oh, no, this is safe. Uh, you know, this is this is the, the way forward. And people are just going to buy it because. As we've talked before, they're so ingrained in the expert class and believing the expert class uh, that they're unwilling to see uh, basically the the negatives of this or or you know the the repercussions of this kind of stuff. I mean, they're already <laughs> to this. There's a a new uh, TikTok filter that just came out uh, here recently that makes oh, uh, women I, look I like saw they're that. like I'll, I'll supermodel, like uh, super attractive, right? Mm -hmm. um, the damage this is going to cause to society. Same oh, yeah. thing with these jabs that they're they're talking about using to to change you. Um, you have a new fad. This is this is what you know women should look like or men should look like. This is the standard, and everybody goes and tries to get their treatments to get to look like that standard. And then yeah. uh, the same thing with the the whole uh, TikTok thing. This is going to be damaging because you'll have people that are considered less attractive. Right. They'll have the filter on and it'll make them super attractive or m more attractive. And it, you, you'll have women basically hate themselves and hate the way they look because of the new, you know, whatever the new standard is. So it'll drive them and it'll push them to go and get these jabs to correct these wrongs, if you will. This is just, this is bad. Well, Our society is not mature enough are, for this kind I'm of thing. Those, uh, those look like two different people to, to me, don't, don't they? Yeah. D to you? Yeah. I mean, look, this is the it, filter. It yeah. completely, it completely yeah. changes the jaw shape yeah. and everything. And yeah. Then, yeah. 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 And then this is what Absolutely. She, she actually looks like. That doesn't look like the same person yeah. to me. No. No. See, um, okay. Um, it, it's, it's going to sound like all Alan and I did was watch movies, but we did watch a lot of movies because he's he always loved to see 
programming in everything, how things are put out 10, 20, 30 years before it's done. And what you just showed me there of that TikTok video, that was a Bruce Willis movie called Surrogates. Uh, Surrogates, you've got these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And what and now there was some kind of near extinction event. What was it? A pandemic or something that had wiped a bunch of people out. People couldn't leave their homes. It was too dangerous. I think that was the setup for surrogates. Yeah, I can't but after, recall, but uh, I remember the concept uh, uh, of it, yeah. Right. But when the toxin, whatever it was, the event was cleaned up, people had gotten used to their surrogates going out and their little, you know, AI bots that they sent out into the world and they controlled them with a joystick from a chair from their home. And what you saw were uh, plain women, older postmenopausal women, fat men, you know, whatever, with their joystick as their their avatar, so to speak, was out on the streets walking around who was beautiful. I mean, I'll say this for, uh, you know, city planning, uh, it, it certainly made walking down the sidewalk pleasant because everyone you pass looked like a supermodel. But that is the virtual world that is being created. Well, I would argue the virtual world is not quite like that. The virtual world, at least that's not my thing. I don't I don't do that. I've never even I've never <laughs> even considered that. Uh, we were actually uh, one of our other guys, um, GP, he he was over here and he and I were in a store. Uh, it was like a their version of a Best Buy over here. And he says, that you see that VR thing? He says, we ought to go check that out. I said, man, I got no interest in that. I have no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah. And from what I see, you know, like the, the videos that, that Zuckerberg and, and Facebook and these, and these Microsoft and these companies they put out, from what I see, it looks very cartoony, if that's the right word. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's very yeah. like childlike is what uh-huh. is like the sense that I get of it. It's not mm-hmm. it's not like what was in the movie Surrogates where it's this almost like adult atmosphere where you see like full grown lifelike adults in this this virtual thing that they're creating and Klaus Schwab was talking about his virtual character in the metaverse and it was just totally disgusting. <laughs> but I, I I mean I can't imagine walking up on him in the metaverse. My God. Right? I mean, just think about that for a second. But I see this this environment, I guess, that they're this fake environment that they're creating in there. And it's just it looks so, I guess, again, childlike is, is what I I mean, I feel like it's something that you would see on on a child's uh, television, at, like an entertainment program or something like the little characters. It's disarming. Is, is that well, it's what it's meant to do or something? Is that what like the, the underlying psyche that uh, or psychological effect is supposed mm-hmm. to have on you? I, I think so, because um, what is happening with technology and media within technology is, remember, I'm much older than you two, but you two are much, much older than the target audience for this uh, augmented VR world. And so who is the target? You know, in other words, that dumbed down because they've had the shots that we're talking about, the perfect worker. Well, they come from today's up and coming generation. And this is a generation of anime, manga. The, the, these are cartoon babies. Oh, um, uh, our, our generation they, is, is uh, they're in this as well. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, oh, they're they embedded in this yeah. as well. But I, I can't keep up with you I, youngsters. <laughs> I, well, I got people that tell me that, that they watch that stuff and I'm like, yeah. How? How, like, how, how yeah. do you do that? <laughs> but to, to, to your point, that is uh, our kids, basically our kids and uh, generation, you know, the generations coming because of the things that our generation, the millennials already have ingrained in us that we're, we're, we're taken up to the, the kids coming up after us 
they're, they're all exposed to it and think it's okay and think it's mm -hmm. the greatest thing or or it's normal it's normalcy like uh getting tracked in everything you do well that's mm -hmm. normal you know that that's okay it's for our safety and mm -hmm. they accept it and you, you two are already in the generation, um, and you are not like this, but there are so many I've seen uh, 40 and unders who cannot take their eyes off their device. And if they do happen to take their eyes off their device, they still cannot make eye contact with you. And if they can make eye contact with you, they cannot sustain it. So th th there is something broken in real world communication with them and so if you just take that down 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you have people who won't even, this is going to be hard to wrap our heads around, but I believe it's true. They will not even have a frame of reference for reality that is non-digital. With, with the, as an example, the pandemic and the way we treated our kids and whatnot, there is a bunch of social problems that they have, like social interactions. They don't have the same kind of uh, learning that we had when it comes to social interactions to, mm -hmm. to point what you're talking about. All they had was stuff online or digital or all those things. You don't learn those uh, little finer details of social interactions and the things that we take for granted uh, in mm -hmm. social interactions. They don't know those things. Mm -hmm. They didn't learn it. And it, it, it's awkward uh, for them. Uh, social, socially awkward. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that that that's going to be even more of a problem in in the so in the well. This is also something you see a lot too uh, in the in the digital world. <laughs> in the real world, they have problems. In the digital world, they're they're confident, they're um, char charismatic, and all that kind of stuff because they're a completely different person there. They can mm -hmm. be someone completely different, and right. and they become comfortable there. But mm -hmm. then when you get into the real world, they they have social you know the the social anxiety or what have you. They have issues in the real world, and honestly, I don't know. I I don't know what what caused that to be honest and because our generation is the ones that it really started in um and and i grew up <laughs> i grew up with friends i grew up uh, you know playing outside i grew up uh you know playing sports and those kind of things so i i don't understand exactly where it came from for our generation unless it just it it <laughs> Maybe it's because of when technology hit and it was kind of our formative years. I'm, I'm the younger one here. Um, and like I was still in high school in the early 2000s. So mm -hmm. I, I did see some technologies and stuff really start to become, you know, like uh, cell phones and that kind of stuff being in school and, and being more attached uh, to students. So maybe maybe that's where it started really is is like the early 2000s right that, at that transition point uh, that's very possible i think the one thing though that we aren't factoring in in this conversation is the needle because the vaccination program has always had an element to it of um control of harm i i guess that's the best way to say it and so we don't know what kind of illnesses or what other kinds of things have been delivered in a hypodermic needle for the last, you know, 50 years. Because what is that, that the Bertrand Russell quote about how we're going to win with, you know, we will do this agenda with the needle. Do you know that one? Have you heard that? I do not. I can't believe I'm familiar it because with I'm familiar with Bertrand Russell, of course, but not, uh, well, not that particular quote. No, was it him that, or was it Huxley that that said that uh, people are going to live and and be medicated and that it, like the medications will cause them to accept? What was it? Was it Russell? Was it uh, Bertrand that said that, or was it uh, Huxley that said that? 
Um, I think that was Huxley. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew it was one of them, but yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, same concept, I think, is, is well, you're going to Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, this was a, a little post-it that Alan had on the wall forever, and he said it all the year, all through the years. And at the beginning of the pandemic, you saw a lot of other alternative sites come out and talk about this. But basically, I believe that it was possibly food and propaganda and um, the, the needle. The vaccination programs that we would they would win by they would control by they would create a new man by and that that has been ongoing i mean this has been ongoing for many many years so there are a lot of elements it's it isn't just purely what the device does for social interaction but it is all of the other ways i mean another thing that uh besides the lowering sperm count for men another thing that alan would bring up from time to time is the actual physical changes carl jung talked about the physical changes in women and this would have been you know 75 years ago that he was talking about the narrowing hips of women. Um, What narrower hips do is make childbirth more difficult. That's one thing. But another function of of narrowing hips among women is that it creates a more androgynous figure so that um, the men and women start, the, the men's shoulders became visibly narrower. Now, this is a question that I've pondered before. When they give you John Wayne in the 1940s and 50s, and then you get, uh, uh, who, so the, the top, uh, like Robert Redford of the 60s. With Robert Redford, you have shoulders that are a good two, three inches narrower than what you got. So, but Alan would say this is bioengineering. This isn't just picking a different type to be an actor. Carl Jung said the same thing. Women are, maybe he said evolving, but what we're seeing is physiological changes. And that has been going on for a good 75 years that people have observed. Physiological change. I know some of it for the male, at least, uh, like the narrowing shoulders. Um, when you have a reduced lifestyle in in the sense of less exercise and those kind of things, the shoulders do narrow a bit um, because uh, I remember uh, past my uh, puberty and whatnot, I was physically active and then I started exercising as in uh, trying to build mass. And I, I'm, I was 18 or something like that. And so I was pretty much done growing as far as uh, shape and size and everything. And my shoulders broadened like a snap uh, after starting to exercise. So that's I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that is, if that's just something, maybe, maybe I was a late bloomer, in, if you will, in that sense, or maybe there is some kind of genetic something there that uh, when you're not exercising, you don't see it. Cause I mean, seeing back in the day, back in the sixties, you had the exercise regime that they had. We don't have that today. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find a, a video that was uh, put out by the Department of Health back during the uh, the John F. Kennedy era, and it was a program that he had put together to improve the physical fitness of the American people. And if you were to look mm-hmm. at those uh, individuals back then and you look at us now, oh my goodness, we've changed quite bit a bit. Bit of a decline. Bit of a decline, yeah, just a, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But to to both of your points there, I don't think that 
you're going to see a change in, in all of these things until all of these systems are done away with, if that makes sense. I, I don't think you're yeah. going to see an opting yeah. out of people because it's just too convenient for them. And just like- Well, I think by then though, Johnny, it's too late. I, I agree with you. No, I, I, I agree with yeah. that, that assessment right there mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. It is too late. So for people to- uh, to get themselves out of it. I'm sorry. I was I was kind of I was multitasking. Uh, I will play this. I, I won't play the audio, but uh, I will I will just play the video uh, right here. So you can okay, see and it. it's yeah, diet ahead. injection and injunction. Diet injection and injunction. Okay, but yeah. Th okay, so there you go. This yeah. is this is what. Oh, they look proposed. at that! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine trying to put this through in. Oh my in a high goodness! School, a high school physical fitness program today. This was the standard back yeah. in that Kennedy uh, put through. And yeah. can you imagine trying to do this today? It would not be possible. Oh no, 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 no! So sixty years ago, you could have people doing chin ups, uh, sit ups. Look at that! I mean, this yeah. is astonishing. The, the one, the one uh, motion that they were doing where where your arms and your legs are straight out, and you're doing, I guess, like you're you're creating like a pike feeling, you know, or uh -huh. a pike pose where you're you're pushing yourself, your torso up off, and uh -huh. arching your back. Mm -hmm. I can't even do that, and I like to consider myself in pretty good shape. You know, I mean, I work out five days a week, and I can't even do that. We did something similar to that in gymnastics. Uh, we call them LCs. And you would hold yourself up uh, on the rings and you would have to hold your legs out uh, in an L shape. And uh -huh. uh, so, you know, you, you do see this in other, you know, sports and whatnot. But to the level of physique that these guys have. These are high school um, students. No, this these are, is these are high, this school is high school students. But this this uh, is this like is... the average dude. Like we don't see any of that now. You see no. like maybe one or two of those in, in class that are this ripped. But uh, that's because they, you know, they, they really care about. Uh, their health and physique and whatnot, but not the average guy. The average guy. I mean, see, the, these are you're showing me average high school guys from the early '60s, and it looks yep. like what they would. They couldn't even get special forces guys that look like that now. They could not. No. That level of no. physical fitness. This is astonishing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just to show you how much we've uh, we've changed and how how far along yeah. the decline is. Yeah. So oh, we're just evolving. Different. We're evolving. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to call mm. this one done. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Melissa, and we will see you again in a couple of weeks. Uh, we look forward to having you back. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. And I would encourage all of our listeners to get over to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, where they maintain all of the life-collected works of the late, great Alan Watt, and they work really hard at it. So uh, stop over there and give those works a, uh, a viewing at your earliest possible convenience. So that will do it for us today. I want to thank both of you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone, and have a great evening. 